0: Wall Street is full of corruption, and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over 100 years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbi. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. It is Steve with The Rogue Scholar. We're going to be talking about some really cool stuff today. I don't think that everybody thinks in terms of this, but you know what? That's why we're going to have the show. If it was something you already thought of and you were already doing every day, why would you want to watch a show about it, right? So we're going to talk about the domino effect of some of these things that we think are really kick-ass decisions, really great ideas. People put their fist in the air. It's like we're going to tax corporations. We're going to force them to pay their fair share. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, and as leftists, we think, "Wow, man, we're sticking it to the man. We're we're going after the man." And um, it's that old Mark Twain saying, "Sometimes the things you think you know just it, you know just ain't so," or something like that. You know um in this particular case you know some of the things we're going to talk about are going to fly in the face of conventional wisdom some of the things you thought you knew or maybe you you do know but you just don't realize the downstream implications of what you do it's like a child right kids know that they want something they don't care if spending 10 bucks that we don't have today prevents us from eating tomorrow they don't care because they don't think that far ahead they don't they don't put the building blocks together they don't see what happens after you knock down the first domino they only think about that one domino oh wow it looks really cool let me hit this one domino and wow man i was like Pfft. see all those really cool domino shows see all these really cool rube goldberg machines where somebody knocks it down it makes a mouse run this way a ball drops down spins around does whatever all just to turn the on switch on a coffee pot right that's the kind of stuff that ultimately uh, we end up seeing with these, um, we'll close this out. So I don't have any noise here, by the way, close my teams out, make sure that all the other distracted are wiped away. But in any event, we don't think about the downstream implications of what happens and, you know, we're watching right now where business has heard, Hey, Somebody say money printing? Somebody say somebody's printing money, right? And all of a sudden, we started seeing some inflation. Why? Because they know that you and I believe that when you print money, prices go up. So they take advantage of that moment and they hike up prices. It's called price gouging. There's more to this too, right? You got Ukraine and you've got Russia. And Russia produces... Lots of petroleum, lots of crude, not for US necessarily, but for a lot of folks around the world. And Ukraine does as well. And so you look and you say, well, shit, the US doesn't use a whole lot of Ukraine or Russian oil. So why would their shortage or whatever impact ours, right? We we Obama bragged heavily about being the ultimate fracker, the ultimate driller. You know, they're, they're talking about how we were, became the world's largest oil producer. But as I've stated many times, oil production in the United States is not a nationalized service. Oil production in the United States is private markets, private companies, private corporations getting uh, permits and then going out and drill baby drill. So they're not really actually doing anything in the sense of, as a government, being able to control this stuff. So, you know, we talked at length about why are the prices going up? That's because the oil companies know, point blank, that somebody's got a shortage somewhere so we can jack the price way the hell up. So all of a sudden prices go way, 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 way up because they know that they've got the air cover of a war. Of course, prices are going to go up. Every newspaper is going to report it prices will go up. We will see exponential rise in prices. Prices will go up. And then what happens? Like, how did they know? How did they foresee it? They must be Nostradamus, right? They know everything, man. Look, prices have gone up. But it's not because production has gone down. Production's way the hell up. I mean, way, way up. And so are petroleum profits way way up okay so the informed leftist the not necessarily mmt informed leftist but the the informed leftist is going to tell you that we need to raise taxes on those corporations we need to tax the hell out of those corporations right everybody it's jack we got to tax the hell out we got to make them pay their fair share But what is businesses' number one rule? What is their number one go-to move? Their their primary purpose for existing is not to produce goods and services. It is to maximize shareholder value. That is the number one driving principle behind corporate uh, interests and corporations in general. You go to your MBA classes and you learn about all these fancy things about, we've got to be good corporate citizens. We've got to be this No, you don't. No, you don't. There's, if there's not a law that says it, there'll be somebody like a Barack Obama who will come out and say, well, what Wall Street did was morally reprehensible, but it wasn't technically illegal. Well, Obama, you're wrong. What Wall Street did during the global financial crisis was, in fact, elite control fraud, and it was illegal. But you didn't have the kahunas to actually prosecute anyone, you and Holder, right? So once again, we look and we say, what is the cause and effect? What happens if we decide we're going to raise taxes on corporations? And I, you know, this is one of those moments where you sit back and you look at the guy with the funny looking, you know, scally cap. And by the way, there is a razor blade in there. I am one of them folks, man. I am straight out of Peaky. anyway the bottom line is is that anything that a business incurs well they're going to pass it on they're going to pass it on so corporations basically pass all cost increases to the consumer you raise taxes on corporations that's just a cost of doing business to them it's not something that penalizes them it's just a cost of doing business so, all of a sudden, the cost goes up, and you and I pay more. We pay more at the pump. We pay more at Walmart. We pay more at whatever skank worthy uh, corporation is out there that's taking our money. And, but we think, gosh, we raise taxes. Oh my God, they raise taxes. You get the, ah. you can almost see it like a meme. Ah. Raise the fist, raise the taxes. But as Randy Ray would say passing taxes on from corporations to corporations is simply a feel good moment it's it's you having some moral uh you know this moral moment of they're paying their fair share but in the end it's you that's paying it they're not paying it because they are still going to report record profits and then somebody's going to come around after they report record profits and say see we can raise taxes and it doesn't hurt their bottom line. They're still making money. Now, the one thing is they can price you and I though, out of purchasing that product. Now, all of a sudden we can't buy that product. And this has always gone back to what happens. I mean, I think Henry Ford had one coherent moment. He had many, but he was an asshole, but one of those things where his people needed to be able to buy the cars he was producing. If you couldn't buy the cars he was producing, what was the point? You could, the, it was priced out of the four Ps. It was the four Ps of marketing. Price, product, positioning, whatever, right? All the, the four Ps of marketing. <laughs> and, you know, for those of you who hate capitalism so much, you didn't study any of these things in high school or college or wherever. It's good to know these things. You got to understand the drivers behind the enemy, if you will. And so if you don't understand this stuff, some of these things are going to be really challenging, but the dominoes do fall once you set forth in motion a tax scheme. So Randy Ray talks about, instead of taxing the corporation, tax the C-suite, tax capital gains, tax the bonus, tax the compensation package, right? They can't pass that cost on to you and I. Only the corporation can pass on that tax to you and I. But just know that every time we do something, physics tells us there's going to be an equal and opposite reaction. Right? There's not, it's not like you do this one thing and that's it, just drops to the ground. No, there's you do this one thing and then there is a there's a reverberation. There's the ripple effect. And if you're into sound or you're into any kind of audio, you know, sign reading, uh, you know, your audio editor, or whatever. You know, if you're doing fiber optic work, you shoot a data stream through fiber. After a period of time, that signal diminishes. It's called loss. And you have to have what they call an amplifier to repeat it, okay? But in this case, when you're dealing with the ripple effects, you can see how far reaching one decision that you make today, how it impacts the rest of society. So if you start raising the price of gas, price of production of fuel how many places how many places does gas or petroleum products touch what is the blast radius of a hike of one penny one cent per barrel cost increase let's say may not seem like much until you're talking about billions of times if you remember, Bernie Sanders talked about implementing a wall, a Wall Street speculation tax. We're going to tax transactions. We're going to have a transaction tax with Wall Street speculation, right? Not a bad thing. Because the idea here is you're trying to curb a behavior, trying to curb, you're trying to rob the casino of its speed. Because one of the recipes for fraud is high speed transactions, lots and lots and lots of transactions. So, that these things are imperceptible to auditors, so that if you do have the teeth to stop a certain behavior, you do have the ability to actually regulate and control. If you have that high speed amount that sets you up into the perfect space for control fraud, it's one of the key parts of the recipe for fraud. So, I want you to think about this because each step along the way, as Biden, says we're going to put sanctions on russia some people might call it blowback okay but there are reverberations for each action for each action there is another reaction and some of them aren't always as obvious right some of them aren't always as obvious one of the ones that cracks me up i think the most is this idea that somehow or another that Medicare for all will save companies money. Now, I just went through the fact that each of these things is a cost to the corporation. The corporation then passes those costs on to you and I. As long as they don't price themselves out of the market to where they can't actually compete anymore, they're gonna just pass those costs on. But what happens when you have a country that does not in any way, shape or form control monopolies, doesn't control trust, doesn't break up monopolies anymore like it used to do. You don't see it anymore. It just doesn't happen. And we don't sit there and regulate people, these these billionaire uh, roles out of existence. In fact, we're making them more and more and more easy to achieve for those that are already in that space. So there is no real protection against any of this right now. So if you were to raise taxes on a corporation, let's say you had a great idea, you wanted to raise taxes on certain products at that corporation because you wanted to make it so that they, you're targeting them, that they have to compete more fairly with new, uh, new entrants into the market, whatever. If that corporation buys up those other companies or whatever to stop its competition, unless there's somebody there actually blocking those mergers and acquisitions, it doesn't really matter. They're gonna gobble up those corporations and they're gonna maintain their monopoly footprint. All of these items, all of these items are blowback from what was perceived to be a really great idea, okay? So you have to actually be willing, if you're going to go out there and you're going to put sanctions on Russia, you have to know in your head that corporations are going to use the signaling you just gave them to jack up prices because they've got air cover to do this. So that leaves you with a couple choices. I mean, there's probably more than this. I mean, I'm not big on limiting the choices. But in this case, if you go and clamp down on that, what is going to happen? They're going to raise prices. you got to think about price controls. How many people lose their mind if you said gas prices cannot go above three dollars and fifty cents a gallon? Period. I remember a time three dollars and fifty cents would have made my head explode. Okay, it would have been like what three dollars fifty cents for a gallon of gas? What happened to two ninety nine? Then I think, wait a minute, what am I talking about two ninety nine? I used to freak out when I saw gas at two oh six a gallon. Why can't it be $1.50 anymore? Why can't it be $1.59? And I was like, holy shit, I remember when unleaded was $0.99. Unless you're willing to put price controls on there, take a direct action. If you don't, they're not going to actually pay it. You are. You are. So all this, I'm willing to pay more to save so-and-so, first things first. We're not getting our oil, folks. From Ukraine, I see people that are just well-meaning, doting around. I mean, they're banging their head into walls. They're not really thinking clearly. They're like, it's like they're people walking in the dark with blindfolds on. Oh, I'm willing to pay more at the pump because it'll help Ukraine. No, it won't. <laughs> no, it won't. No, it doesn't. It absolutely does not help, anyway, shape or form. It just hurts you and I. Now, if the question was, how do we prevent more cars being on the road? How do we keep cars off the road? You raise gas prices like we raise taxes on cigarettes to tax cigarettes out of existence. I mean, maybe 10 bucks a pack when you're, you know, they got 20 cigarettes in a pack. Maybe that's one way of doing it. But instead, what it ends up being is the poor end up bearing the weight of that tax. So you end up creating even more inequality. You see what I mean? So the wealthy can afford to pay the tax. They don't even think twice about it. It's the poor that end up committing crimes, doing whatever they can to get what they have to get. They end up not feeding their children. They end up not feeding themselves to feed the addiction. This is the cause and effect, right? These cause and effects are not talked about up front. We don't even think about them. So we're just so fist in the air in the land of hypocrisy that it's so hard for us to wrap our head around the next, next, next stuff. And then what's worse? Because we're so propagandized, you'll have some other jack off alt media station out there saying, It's a conspiracy, man. They're out there doing that, and yeah, yeah. Completely diverting huge swaths of people that prefer hot takes over real takes. And then they will be repeating this. And that old commercial, pert hair commercial, and they'll tell two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. And so the force multiplier of a lie is the outcome of not doing your homework. You know, the cause and effect here. But I do want you to think about this. Every time we raise taxes on a corporation, that is a hike to you and I. It is not penalizing the corporation unless you prevent them from passing on those costs to consumers. You understand what I'm saying? Like you have to do, you can't just be a tax. It's got to be a tax plus some prevention, some way of preventing them passing that cost on to us. And they don't do that. That does not happen. It does not happen at all. And so what ends up happening to you and I, though, when we stop paying corporate and we stop buying goods and services, what do they end up doing? First, first thing they do, they cut employment. Why do they cut employment? Because they're going to hit their profit target no matter what. Come hell or high water, they're going to hit that mark because if they don't, investors, because the way our game is set up, will pull their money out. They're going to pull their money out of that corporation if they don't hit their revenue targets. So this is how the chain goes. The chain effect goes, that domino effect. I need us all to think about this, right? Because there are ways of addressing this. You know, a lot of people fap about the UBI. Why do they fap about the UBI? Because they're fappers. Not very brilliant, but more fun, right? <laughs> Let's go with that. They're tossers. Let's use a little UK lingo. They didn't think about the cause and effect. They didn't think about the downstream, because that's not what their goal is. They're into this pop culture clickbaity kind of stuff. Ultimately, what people need is the real goods and services. But if you give people just money without the the anchor, to labor without the anchor to some production. What ends up happening is, again, pretend like it's not a UBI, pretend like it's spending on something else. They're printing money. What did we just do? Go back to what I said a few minutes ago. Now, all of a sudden, you're signaling to business. You're signaling to renters, The uh, excuse me, the rentier class, the landlord class the fire sector, you're signaling to them, hey guys, they got more money in the economy, not let's make their dollar stretch longer, not let's make it easier on the regular people to survive. Oh, we gotta find a way to carve out as much of that $1 as we can for our own selves. And so what do they do? They raise price, they raise price on rent, they raise price on electric, they raise prices on food, on bread, on everything. Did the cost of those things go up? To you and me, yes. Did the production cost more? Maybe, maybe not. What is the other domino? Oh, it's heavily reliant on fuel. Did fuel go up? Yes. So you see the domino effect. It's inputs, outputs, tools, and techniques. You're making sausage each step along the way. Costs went up on petrol, okay, we're doing this, out comes a dollar figure per barrel. The people that have to use that to build plastic tubs and bins and, and packaging for whatever you're buying, for your next soda, for your next bottled water, God help us all, whatever it is, the costs go up and they go up throughout. The windows of your house, the windows on your car, all these things have petroleum products. To them. All of the nuclear plants we have around the country have freaking lubricants made from this stuff as well. Everything, the cost of everything goes up. So really the only way to fix something like that is to either put a hard firm cap on price or for the government to subsidize the costs and keep it at a flat rate for you and I to use. But if you did that, That'd be like socialism or something, right? That'd be the government picking winners and losers. And so there's an ideological bend there. But the angle here, back to the UBI, what if we provide a federal job guarantee? Oh, but what about David Graeber's book, Bullshit Jobs? Part of Bullshit Jobs was understanding that the jobs We're not socially valuable. You're pushing paper from one side of the table to the other side of the table. Where's the satisfaction? But what if you got to sit there with somebody and play chess with them, and they're literally bedridden and their entire family is dead or gone or has abandoned them, and there you are reading a book to somebody who has maybe got six months to live, You think there's some social value there? You think there's something to wake up in the morning to, to go ahead and help someone that is dying live the rest of their days a little bit better? I say so. What about if you could help a stay-at-home mom by going grocery shopping for them, being a, a community shopper for them or whatever? A dad, anything. I mean, you know, I don't want to be sexist here. Men and women can both be stay-at-home caregivers. You know, there are so many things that we can pay for as a job that we don't even think about because we've been tina Go back to my show on Wednesday. There is no alternative, right? This little narrow space. Can't think about anything else. It's either here's some cash or nothing because after all, we don't wanna be a wage slave. What if you were able to produce socially beneficial work? What would be the ripple effect of people, kids in school, having someone so that they aren't waiting every fifth Wednesday to go to gym class? What if we could do community based recreational things that would allow kids to get their wiggles out and kids to get, you know, whatever, or to have people teaching guitar lessons as part of the community? or maybe taking water samples at the local lake while they're sitting there playing with a remote control boat or whatever they feel like doing. Point is is that we're only constrained by our imagination, not by money. The government creates money out of thin air every time it's spent, so we could have a federally funded, locally administered job guarantee. Now imagine if you look around your local community or your local city, your nearby city, and you look at all those homeless people that just don't have a pot to piss in, what would be the domino effect of giving them a job providing housing as a right providing medical what would you do to generational poverty and what do you think ending generational poverty might do to crime rates but see so much of crime is a direct result of people not having enough and some people having too much and people needing food to eat and needing a shelter and needing something in their own lives, their families' lives, their children's lives, and they do things that they would otherwise not do if they had options. And there is options. But the ripple effect of that is immense. The ripple effect of doing nothing is we have people that are destitute and one step away from death who are willing to do things to survive that cause crime. Because after all, nobody wants somebody to break into their home. You know, I left my car unlocked in Harrisburg one day. And I walked, I turned, I walked 20 feet this way. I turned back around and there was a guy crawling out of the back seat, touched my kids' car seats and everything else. I was really disgusted at first, really angry, felt very violated. Because it wasn't like my stuff, it was my kids, right? But he, he acted like, oh, no, hey, I found some guy ran down the street here. He tried to take this. I said, oh, thank you very much. Didn't call the cops. But I thought to myself, this is neoliberalism. This is the domino for false scarcity. This is the domino for not spending money into the economy, for cutting deficits, for balanced budgets. For all these things, the domino effect. And let me tell you something right now, today, most states in the country have unfunded or underfunded pensions. Now, what happens if states try to fund those pension programs? Well, the states guess what? They don't create currency out of thin air, they need it to come from somewhere. So they're going to do something cuckoo crazy. They try and fill those things up. They might do what Pennsylvania's done, which is get in bed with the Marcellus Shale Company and take fracking revenues to try to offset budget deficits. Hmm. I wonder if fracking is good for the environment. Hmm. I wonder if there might be some existential crisis that we're adding to by doing this. I wonder if we put more burdens at the state level or the city level. I wonder if that creates situations that have other domino effects that create even more despair. Hmm. I wonder if well-meaning people thinking they can create a health care plan at the local and state level don't know this stuff. Hmm. I wonder if they're too proud to admit it. Hmm. I wonder if that makes them an inadvertent enemy. No, not an enemy. But definitely their behavior is fucking us hard without even a kiss. No reach around, just straight up Vaseline-less screw job, right? That's what they're doing. But they don't know that. Why? Because they don't care about the domino effect. They just say, oh, it's going to save businesses money. And they come up with all this spaghetti logic that makes all the sense in the world to them. Makes all the sense in the world to them. But they don't sit there and follow the dominoes. They don't do the Rube Goldberg machine with the, with the video camera watching the dominoes, or the house of cards fall or what. They don't do that. It's just like, I want this and this is what I'm going to do. And that's that. To hell with the consequences. To hell with what it does. To hell with that. If you think about what I'm saying, you realize that. Inputs, outputs, tools, and techniques are the most vital things you could ever learn in your entire existence. What I put in, when I crank the sausage maker, what do I get out? Does it just sit there or does it feed something else? Oh no, it feeds another sausage maker. So the output from A becomes the input for B. And then I crank the sausage maker out and the input from B and the output from B becomes the input for C. And you see, you can go through this chain effect and see where things go and you can examine, what was the, if we change this one section of the process, what does that do to the rest of the dominoes? If I turn it to the left and it knocks these down, instead of turning it to the right and it knocks these down, what is the output, what is the, what happens? We don't do that. We have these ideological strongholds that Democrats for the last, I don't know, 100 million years have just believed forever that if we just raise taxes on everybody, we can pay for things. Republicans, on the other hand, weirdly correct in the sense of reducing taxes on regular people. Now, the leadership re- reduces them on the rich because they believe it'll trickle down. But the rank and file people, they're much like you and I. They get one thing right. Hey, one out of a million, not bad. But they get one thing right, a broke clock kind of moment and that, hey, We don't need all those taxes on us. Well, the regular rank and file people should not be where the tax burden lies. Ah, but alas, it is. Why? Because this is how local state police and everyone else fund themselves. They fund themselves with fines, fees, and penalties. It's as if that's the only way. There is no fucking alternative, right? There is no alternative. Of course there's not. But there is an alternative. What if we federally funded law enforcement and locally administered it so that we're not sitting there jacking up some poor black person for sitting down? I mean, think about what happened in Ferguson. Think about what has happened around all over the country, unarmed people being shot and killed in protection of capital. I was afraid it's I'm justified, bam, pew, 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 pew. pew, pew, pew. right? I'm afeard. I got a tiny, tiny willy. I'm afeard. Let me have this phallic thing, right? I'm afeard. But ultimately, these cause and effects, you make people desperate. You strip away social programs. You strip away protections. You make it more dog eat dog. The people that had things go their way are very protective of their thing. They're very protected. Don't you dare touch my shit. And the poor, well, they need some of that shit because you hoarded all that shit and they don't have any of that shit. And we built an economy based on you having stuff and them not. And then we put law enforcement in the middle and protect this. We protect the theft. We protect the fucking theft. So the cause and effect. If I say let's federally fund the fucking local state police, not defund, ride with me on this. You'll see where I'm going with this in a second. Because some jackass, some useless tin on a bull is gonna sit there and say, he said we should fund the police. Some Neo Maxi Zune will say that. But the fact is what I'm saying is if you're gonna have a police force, And I'm all about reform. I'm all about community policing. I'm all about doing the right things, not protecting capital at all costs. I'm there to protect the community, okay? And there's different ways. Everything doesn't have to equal a slug between the eyes, right? There's a million ways to keep the community safe. Number one, make sure people have what they need. Make sure you build an economy that protects everyone, is inclusive for everyone. Are there bad people in the world? Yes. Are there situations that we create that create them because of the domino effect? Absolutely. empirically. This isn't even a question. It's only a question if you're an asshole. We create systems that create ne'er-do-goods because ne'er-do-goods need to eat too. But they weren't ne'er-do-goods until they had to eat, until they had to eat and they realized there was no way to fucking eat without doing something that made them ne'er-do-goods. I think we end up getting this whole thing fucked up and confused because we don't understand money. We don't understand the basics of money even. We've been lied to for so long, and we're so goddamn sure we're right, it's unbelievable. We'll just tax, whatever. The United States dollar is nothing more than a unit of measure. Literally, folks, it's a unit of measure, meaning it's an inch, a pound, you know a degree a meter a decibel it's a measurement that's it nothing more nothing precious about it for this job i get 500 inches for this job i get 1200 you know degrees for this job i get 1200 same concept just a different unit of measure and the government the u.s government in our case here owns the patent on that unit of measure and congress article 1 section 8 owns the power of creating more of those units of measure but instead of us using it as a public utility to serve we the people the government because it is run by neoliberals and it's an ideological bend here use it to create new markets and to protect capital as it invades those new markets, we confuse freedom with free markets. Freedom, to me, is economic freedom, meaning that I'm not sitting here wondering if I'm going to die or go bankrupt because I've got cancer or because I've got psoriasis or so, because I've got I got into a um, some situation where I've contracted a disease. And now all of a sudden I'm going to miss work. Economic freedom means you are free from those kinds of things that you're able to live a life that's full. The domino effect of people that are happy, the domino effect of people that are content, that can self-actualize might mean that more people would do less because we would all share in the benefits of automation. We would all share in the benefits of a clean earth. We would all share in the benefits of built up community. But if we think about it in terms of dollars are scarce that we gotta, we gotta get ours, man, break, you know, the Benjamins, all about the And Be- Yo, you got the guys flipping the money out. They're like, Yeah, man, look, man, I'm all fucking rolling in the money, man. I got the dice hang. I got the freaking big ass car. I'm like all about the money and the Benjamins and stuff. That right there is a direct neoliberal. Celebration of wealth. Because in order, if everybody was wealthy, there'd be nobody out there sitting there pimping out their ride and acting like they're big, bad, and awesome because they got all this money. They're doing that because there's somebody else that doesn't have it. And it's like, look at me, motherfucker. Look at me. Neoliberalism has created this society of people that are selfish, that are focused on getting theirs. And that is the domino effect of selfishness versus collectivist. The domino effect is you create a society that has to do what it has to do to be considered good. And what is what, is, what do people think of as a good person? Now, as leftists, we don't think this way, of course. But the rest of the world thinks that when people have lots of money, then they naturally are good people because good people do really good things and good things create lots of money, right? Because that's the American lie. We're fed this lie that if you have more money, that must mean you're more gooder, you're more better, you're more better. There's somebody you're standing on that they don't see in the television camera. You're like laughing and smiling, but below you, you're standing on people you're walking from the train station to your office stepping over dead bodies of people homeless that are on the street and there's no responsibility to do anything about it because the consequences of these dominoes are play a play don't hate the player hate the game go get yours homie that's the game and it's not by accident this is how they create hungry people man And when I say hungry, I'm not just talking about hungry for food. I'm talking about you're hungry to get yours. Because after all, nothing was given to you. You earned every penny, right? So this thing creates this false meritocracy. This false sense of good people, bad people, high achievers, low achievers, worthlessness, worthfulness makers and takers ayn rand said fuck y'all i'm in the grave took my social security right some of these references i'm making are probably as esoteric most people are like what the fuck's this asshole say <laughs> my bad i'm sorry forgive me i'm having fun right but the fact of the matter is is that culture is a direct result of these decisions that are made People respond in kind. The government funds certain things. And we have to ask for the right things until we prove to ourselves and to each other that the system isn't going to listen. Until we can prove to ourselves that there is no alternative but to revolt or to take matters into our own hands through direct action or creating parallel systems. We have to prove to the outliers, to the people that are comfortable, to the people that don't realize that their ambivalence is creating a whole society full of people that are either chasing after you get theirs and they don't care who they hurt and those that are left behind. The domino effects create climate problems. They keep us from climate solutions. The domino effect keeps us from having health care because, watch this, if I give you all health care and I didn't plan for all the real resources to supply doctors, nurses, hospital beds, whatever, if there's long waits, you've got to wait three months to go see a doctor and all that while your cancer is growing in your body. It's not a winning solution. You should be able to see a physician or a doctor in real time when you need it, right? There has to be systems put in place. But if there's not, then the people that already have it really good, that have their great doctor and they pay through the nose, but that's okay because they are living La Vida loco, right? They got it going on, man. They woke up. The sun was shining on them. They don't want to lose that. Now we can bitch at them. We can yell at them. We can hate them all day long. But the fact is, none of us want to lose what we have. None of us do. To varying degrees, people are willing to give things up. But most of us, whatever little thing we have, we don't want to give it up. We don't want to lose that. Because we know how hard it was to get that. Or if you were gifted it, how hard it is to get gifted that. These things just don't fall out of the sky usually. So you hold on, you clutch your pearls, you, you fight, you hate the people trying to take it from you. But what if you don't have to take it from each other? That's the point, right? This face, fake scarcity angle here has so many downstream effects. So if we had doctors and lawyers, doctor, I keep saying doctors and lawyers, I think they're one and the same, right? They're both thieves in their own right, right? But doctors and nurses and so forth. And we could make it so that the people that already have good health care, we have the same level of care that they have. As opposed to bringing them down, we could lift us all up to that level. That would have a different set of domino effects. That would have a different repercussion throughout society. What if instead of some people having a great pension, we made it so all people had a great pension? Yes, the people at the top would be really, really upset because the way they measure themselves is between the distance from them and the person below them. That's how they measure their value to society. So in that sense, they'd be pissed and moaning. But my point is we don't have to necessarily take from them because the cause and effect of that is that we have police that protect capital that ultimately then go after the poor people trying to get theirs. And if you pass a law to get them, they'll just offshore their money. They'll just come up with Bitcoin. They'll just do something else to try to offset that. They'll create a trust so you can't touch them. They'll do something. There's a cause and effect for everything. You got to close loopholes. For these things to stick and have teeth. And nobody's going to do that. That's why when you say, we passed an expansive spending package, blah, blah, blah. However, the first dollar from the government is going to be spent to Halliburton. And then I'm sure from the goodness of their heart, it's going to trickle down through the rest of society. They didn't say, hey, listen, if we strategically target spending here, then those people at the bottom will be able to pick where they spend their money and so forth. But if we spend at the top, they would get all the systems worked out and everything else. And then all of a sudden you're left to pick whatever they gave you. That's not freedom. That's tyranny. That really is tyranny. You've been given a false belief that you have a real choice, but you don't have a choice. It's being told to you. It's being handed to you. It's being, this is it. This is that. There is no alternative. So if nothing else today, I hope people learn, or at least, even if you didn't learn, if you at least consider the domino effect of what it means to say, we're going to raise taxes on corporations, what does that mean to you and I? How does that benefit us? You have to believe fundamentally that those taxes are going to suddenly go into some safe where they're going to be rolled up in Breaking Bad style round fat stacks and be spent later to be redistributed. That's not how this shit works. It's not how this shit works at all. See, taxes are like if you had a bathtub, you have the spigot coming in, you either have fresh money coming from the government, or you have bank credit money coming from people taking out loans. In our neoliberal world, that's how we keep our economy going, keeping fat, fat, fat amounts of private debt. But what about the drain? If we're pouring money in, of course, it's going to overflow, right? That's your inflation. That's the old school story of inflation, right? Too many dollars chasing too few goods. Well, that's not true. That's not how it works. At the bottom of your drain, you have leakages, you have taxes, you have desire to save, savings, things like that. But taxes in particular, new money in, taxes delete money. That's how the plumbing works. That's an aha moment. Consider this a win. This was a great day for all because you learned something really important. fact is taxes don't fucking fund spending. Get it through your head, right? Simple. But they keep you believing that they do because, after all, your hard earned tax dollars shouldn't be paying for Trump to play golf, damn it. Mm. I'm mad. Uh, get off my lawn. Yeah, but taxes don't pay for that. I'm willing to pay more in taxes so everyone can have health care. I'm so, so noble. The fact is, is that taxes don't fund spending at the federal level. In fact, here's a little tidbit before we close out. Did you know that if we did pass a Medicare for all bill, that Medicare for all would get rid of so much inefficient, but massive amounts of economic transactions, lots of transactions going on, lots of busy work. Lots of money changing hands for no purpose to deny you service. (laughs) That's it. To deny you service. That's what the money's doing, right? So the money's doing nothing useful whatsoever. But if you did Medicare for all, what would happen? Instead of it being inflationary, it'd be deflationary because GDP is all transactions, all that spending. All of a sudden, you narrow it down. It's just patient to care, patient to care, or patient to care and through some administrative crap. But regardless, it's still much, much skinnier. So you just lost a lot of GDP by making this thing efficient. It's going to have a lot of unemployment, right? Didn't think about that part, did you? A Green New Deal. going to create a lot of unemployment. You're putting the coal miners out of business. Maybe they should be, and they should be, but you got to have a transition, the domino. See, if you just stop at the first domino and pat yourself on the back, you're not going to, you're going to turn your head and you're not going to see all the destruction that happens behind as all the other dominoes fall. You've got to turn that other domino so that it does productive things. And in this case, We have to have more doctors, we have to have more nurses, we have to have more uh, hospitals and clinics and all this other stuff. So a tax cut would be required for national improved Medicare for all because you need that money in the economy because you remember what I told you, there's the bathtub, taxes, the drain, out the drain, gone. Taxes don't fund the spending, they're not paying for Medicare. Sorry, cool guys doesn't pay for medicare i know but bernie sanders website says if i go to bernie sanders website bernie sanders says that if i just raise taxes that it's going to pay for this i love bernie but his website's speaking to the people that the kids in the back that weren't listening the kids that are still swallowing the propaganda down that's what he's talking to but if you raise taxes On a program that is deflationary you've just created a really 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 bad situation that you didn't even think about because you thought taxes funded spending you thought the money going in the bathtub just got recycled Uh uh-uh when it gets flushed down the drain it only gets put back in when there's a spending bill huh new spending has to be authorized for new money to go in the tub otherwise You keep taxing, a bathtub keeps draining and draining and draining. Or we fill it with private debt. But what happens when all us credit-worthy people suddenly run out of credit? All of a sudden, we're in another recession. Taxes are deleting money out the bathtub. There's no money coming in. Oh, no, we're all going to die. For reals. This is how it works. Cause and effect, dominoes. It's really fucking important. Really fucking important. And I challenge you to find another alternative media place that talks about this, save for status quo. When I go over there with Jordan, we talk about this stuff. But I challenge you to find one of the mainline headliners that talks about this stuff. Yeah, those, ah. been a couple of months since we talked to an MMT'er. I always see if we can get somebody over here to talk MMT. But they don't sit there and do this. So they're doing the same economic crap that the mainstream media is doing nine tenths of the time, or worse. They're giving you the L O L libertarian view with, "Hey, we're gonna talk about crypto tonight, man. Crypto, is crypto, is crypto." Neoliberal crypto baby. Let's all go privatize, man. Let's bring Ayn Rand back and have a party, right? See, there is alternatives. And those alternatives have different domino effects, different butterfly effects, different ripple effects. And we need to think about what's happening. You need to trace route that motherfucker through the process. And if the process isn't working, you need to find out why. And if you have a fundamentally flawed view, you need to change it. Use your dialectics. Use your understanding of political realism. Blend these things together. Start thinking. What is going to happen if I do X, Y, Z? And when we do that, when we start getting there, that's when we're going to really see some major changes. We're going to see some major changes. And if we don't, the best part to me is, if we don't, We'll have proven the case that the arc of revolution is there. And there's a case to be made that we can bring those soft, weak, middle-class people that their hands are smooth and everything's good. And they're like appalled that you used you used mean language. How dare they? Okay. Cause and effect, the domino. You starve me. You make my life hell. I get angry. I fucking use my big boy voice and I offend the soft, sensitive ears of the weak willed people that are doing pretty fucking good, living la vida loco, but can't stand to hear the pain and suffering of those who are at the wrong end of the dominoes falling. And with that, my friends, I am Steve Grumbine with the Rogue Scholar. Hope you check me out. Be on with Jordan on Tuesday night. We got a big weekend full of Medicare for all stuff that we're going to be talking about. Check that out. The March for Medicare for All is gonna be huge. Got Luke Parcher doing a lot of shows, Savage Joy. She'll be out there. Gonna be a bunch of people, myself included. You have Faddle, Ron, Yeva, uh, tons of MMT folks, man. So it won't be, you'll have a lot of us in there. And with that, I wanna thank Andy and Virginia and the rest of the gang for working their asses off to make this stuff happen. Luke and Eric Kessner, who is out there all over the streets, folks, in DC. We're doing some work. Keep your eyes on us. And tomorrow, Saturday morning, we got one dime talking about MMT and Marx. With that, my ass is out of here. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash real progressives.